Welcome to the Social Lights podcast with Kate Vandervoort, where I interview changemakers and innovators on how they connect with their tribe on social media. Brought to you by Social Mediology. Today I have with me Jill Ford, who is the founder of Refill New Zealand, and we are going to dive in and uh, meet Jill and find out more about the amazing work that she's doing. So hi, Jill. Welcome. Hi, Kate. So Jill, we always start off by asking, what is it that lights you up? What inspires you to get out of bed in the morning? Making a difference. The feeling that what you're doing is making a positive difference in the world. Fantastic. I think that's needed more so now than ever before. But I know most people that we interview on this podcast, you know, that's their main driver and what it is that makes them wake up every morning. So I'm yet to hear anything different to that. So obviously everybody's on that similar path. Um, So tell us a little bit about your journey in the launch, you know, before you launched uh, Refill NZ. Tell us a bit about your background. So my background's been in social marketing, as in changing behavior and attitudes originally. Then I worked for myself and then went into the non-profit sector. From there, I went back to the UK and was involved with a plastic pollution campaign there, which was being run by the same people who set up Refill in the UK. And at that time, I was aware of plastic being a problem, but wasn't aware of how big a problem it was. And it was working with them on that particular project that really raised my awareness. Then, of course, David Attenborough's Blue Planet came up out and suddenly a lot more people were aware of plastic pollution. I then came back to New Zealand and decided I would set up a refill here. So there's been, a, there's been lots of work over here on or campaigns around plastic bags, which are now banned, or having a de- refundable deposit scheme for bottles, which is what happens in Germany and Norway. And that's going to be happening as well. But there was nothing really that was about actually stopping it at source and also getting people to change their behavior. And single-use water bottles are a big issue. They estimate, I don't think anybody actually knows, that something like 828 million of them are thrown away in New Zealand every year which, if you want to visualize that, is equivalent to about 164 Olympic-sized swimming pools. So it's a lot of plastic. And as everyone knows, it gets in the waterways, it breaks down, and it gets eaten by marine life. So it was a long story. And we started it as totally on some fundraising from some film nights, which got us our first stickers. And then we got some small amount of funding from the local council here and one of the community trusts, which enabled us to do more. And the publicity then attracted other centres, such as Auckland, and also got in front of the house organisations because, like Australia, we have a big obesity problem and a lot of that is due to the high sugar intake of which soft drinks are a big component. And most soft drinks are sold in single-use plastic bottles. So so the health sector were very keen to promote water and refilling on the go, which is what Refill NZ is all about. 
Just and let so us they, know what the house sector is, Jill, for those who are not in New Zealand. Well, house sector is the same as pretty much anywhere, hospitals, doctors, all that sort of people. So in England, you've got the national health system. Um, I presume in Australia, you have a state system or whatever. And then we have in each region what we call a district health board. But there's all sorts of different health organisations. There's non-for-profits as well as government ones. So it's the usual sort of thing. And, yeah, so wanting to get people to drink water instead of soft drinks. And part of the issue, there aren't very many drinking fountains around. And often you can buy cheap, sugary soft drink cheaper than you buy bottled water. So the health organisations could see that by getting involved in refill that it would help increase the accessibility of water when people were on the go. So it's be, it's an environment, and it started off as an environmental campaign, it's now an environmental and health campaign. <laughs> mm, fantastic. And so what's the vision for Refill NZ? I would like to see, number one, <laughs> every sports field and children's playground or 50% of children's playgrounds and sports fields have water fountains and we would have cafes or freely accessible water on every street when people are on the go, i.e. not in their own house. And we get a big reduction in the amount of bottled water and soft drinks bought. Now, I don't have access to the soft drink company stats, so I don't know how much is sold. I do know, however, that in the last two years, the sales of bottled water has increased by 25% because I was at a conference where the soft drink industry proudly told us all this, which sounds great, except that just means we've got a hell of a lot more single-use plastic bottles floating around. And unlike Australia, we do not have a drought in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Well, not there are areas that are dry, but nothing like Australia. So water isn't really a major issue over here and all the tap water is fine to drink. Right. And so tell us just a bit about on the ground, what are the projects or the campaigns that you're focused on? How do you, I can see that that's the vision. How are you going about doing that? Okay. So the initial thing was we contacted cafes well, first of all, what we did was we walked around the streets of Wellington, went into cafes and explained we were part of a plastic pollution campaign and we were trying to reduce single-use plastic bottles. And we only went in cafes that have water out, which is very common in New Zealand. So most cafes in New Zealand would have water out and all the bars have to have free water. So we would go into cafes and ask them if they would have the sticker in their window because that sticker told people they can just go into that cafe, refill with water and not necessarily buy anything. We got a really, really good response. I would say 98% of cafes said yes. Wow. Well, I mean, they've already got water out and as long as it doesn't interfere with their staffing, then it's not a major, it gets people into their cafe and also the plastic pollution issue, like probably in most of the world, <laughs> has got very high awareness. So people want to be able to do something. And this is quite a simple, easy way for them to help solve the problem. From there, 
we, as I said, some of the health organisations got in contact with us. So we have a contract with a health, the Auckland Health Board, who are doing the refill campaign up in Auckland. They've got a lot of their council facilities on board, libraries, community centres, sports centres, promoting refilling with water rather than buying bottled drinks. And then gradually the word spread. We also are now doing a lot with the tourism industry because New Zealand is probably about as far away from anywhere as you can get without going to Antarctica. So for pretty much any tourist coming here, you've either got to come on a cruise ship or fly. And with all the high awareness of climate change, with the exception of your Prime Minister and <laughs> Mr Trump, there is obviously this kind of flight to shame. Thanks. <laughs> and where a report came out late last year saying basically we have to up our group game on sustainability in New Zealand if we're to continue to attract tourists. In other words, okay, you, you've got a pretty high footprint, carbon footprint getting here. So how can we reduce your carbon footprint and your environmental footprint when you're here? Mm. So the tourism industry started a campaign, Taki Promise, which is all about asking visitors to take care of our environment, take care of our culture, etc. So refill kind of fits quite nice in that it's an action people can take. So the promise itself doesn't actually tell anybody what they can do. It just asks them to be nice. <laughs> so refill kind of is something that is easy for tourism operators to be involved with. So we have everything from bungee jumping to cave organisations to kayak people to several, quite a few hotels who have water for clients and they then promote refilling. And we're just getting some new artwork done that puts across that message that you should basically refill rather than buy bottled water because it doesn't take a genius to be able to work out that if you watch the tourists wandering around and they're reasonably easy to spot, but a high percentage of them buy bottled water. Iceland did some research and apparently over 60% of international visitors bought, said they bought more bottled water when they were travelling than when they were at home mm. and over 70% said they didn't trust the tap water when they were travelling. Wow. Which I thought was quite interesting when you're talking about Iceland because, quite frankly, why wouldn't you drink your water in Iceland? Um, <laughs> straight off the glaciers. So that was is probably reflected. And, of course, like many countries, we've now there's been a big increase in tourists from places like China and India. And in those countries, you don't necessarily drink the tap water. So they come from cultures where it's perfectly normal to buy bottled water unless mm. they've got a filtration at home. So they continue doing that when they visit places like New Zealand. Can I just ask a quick question? So the people, the operators that are coming on board and offering mm. water, do you give them a standardised kind of way to do that or do they just provide? They provide. I mean, it's pretty much people will have jugs of water out this is the same as cafes it varies so some people might actually have a some sort of a water fountain thing 
that's attached to the wall and it might have a filtration system in it. You really don't need filtered water in New Zealand, but anyway, you might have, people might just have big jugs of water out. So it really depends. And we just promote tap water. We are not expecting people to provide filtered water because as I've said, you do not need to filter water in New Zealand. So we're just trying to make it easy for people to get involved. And most of these tourist places will already be providing water anyway. Mm. So it's not that they're doing anything different, but they're just promoting. Because the big thing for us is just trying to get across to international visitors that you can drink the tap water in New Zealand. And mm. we'd really appreciate it if you did instead of buying bottled water. So it's just getting that simple message across that is the issue. I imagine it's a bit hard to kind of measure the impact that you're making in terms of, you know, knowing whether there's a decline in the purchasing of bottled water there. But do you have an idea of the impact in terms of how many cafes and organisations have signed up or are you? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So to sign up, you go online and you fill in a form and it basically has the usual stuff, name, address, etc. In certain areas, it's totally free. Where we've got funding from the council, like in Auckland, down in Canterbury, and now Bay of Plenty, then they don't have to pay anything. And we then either mail them out or they get a nice little volunteer or person comes around. That's our preferred one, is that somebody goes around to them, puts the sticker up, gives them the poster and takes a photo. So... What the process is, they sign up. If they have to pay, and it's not very much, either way, we send them material. So we send them a sticker and poster. They get asked to send a photo of the sticker in their window. And once they've done that, they go on our map. And we've just launched an app just before Christmas. So that's when we know they have actually implemented this is by sending them us a photo. And so that app anyone can download and it means they can yeah. find someone local to them that they can go and get water yeah. from when they need and it. And the website map is a location-based. So if you allow it to find out where you are, it will do it. If not, you just type in, you know, you might be in Lampton Key in Wellington and you type in Lampton Key Wellington and up it comes with, where you can refill. Well, we've also got on those all the water, public water fountains in Wellington, Auckland and Christchurch mm-hmm. because we, the council supplied us with the data that made it pretty straightforward, I think. <laughs> I didn't have to do it to upload that. So that means people can more easily find a water fountain because that information wasn't easily accessible, believe it or not. <laughs> you find out where a toilet was or where a bar was, but you couldn't actually find out where a water fountain was. Yeah, wow. And so just in terms of how many people have signed up, do you know what those figures so are? So we've, like? we've got about 1,300 sites on the map. App. Fantastic. I mean, more than that have signed up, but they either haven't sent us a photo, which is quite common, um, <laughs> we have to chase them, or they haven't paid money. We've had a lot more than that who have been sent stuff and we have to chase them for pictures because mm. <laughs> we won't put them, I won't put them on there until we have that information because it's really important that sticker is up in their window because yeah so and so your funding in terms of how your organization works 
is that from the small fee that's paid as well as grants and government funding? And I believe most of you are volunteers or you all? Yeah. (laughs) So I've managed to pay myself a small amount (laughs) lately, but it's a lot of volunteer time. I mean, our web guys have put in an awful lot of volunteer time. I've managed to pay them. So now if we have a contract with, so we just signed one with the Bay of Plenty, which is, on the East Coast and includes White Island, which you've probably heard of, that included some money for website. And we allow in that for updates to the website, up to the map and everything. And that means I can give my little student volunteer some money <laughs> for helping. And she's now doing some social media posts. So I include some of that. It's not a lot, but it means at least I can reimburse for some of it. The cost to sign up, if I actually included how much time we put in, it still doesn't cover that. Mm. It's just that people don't really understand. I mean, yeah, you get two sorts. So I had one this morning complaining, I'm just a small cafe, I can't afford it. Don't send me the poster. I said, well, actually, that only makes $2 difference mm. because most, a lot of it is the time and the fact that I have to answer these emails, you know. So, yeah, I did actually sit down one day and really work out how long it took us to do all this and came to the, and the benefits of the website because people want to be on the website. They want to be on the app. But somebody had to create all that. Somebody has to update all that. And it doesn't happen by magic. <laughs> and they're always happy to pay when it's advertising in a directory and it's, it's not yes. similar to yeah. that. So, yeah, and exactly. So, Jill, how do you use social media to connect with and activate your tribe? Talk to me a bit about what you do on social media. Okay. So we um, are very active in anything to do with plastic pollution, of which there's vast quantities of information every single day. So we select things that people might be interested in. What we've discovered looking at our analytics is people really love infographics. They love being told positive stuff they can do or that's happening so we try and put a lot of that in there obviously we have to create I mean we can access there's loads of infographics on websites and we use other people's but so that gets people engaged and they share every three new cafes we'll do a Facebook post because we've got too many when I say cafes it will be tourist industry as well we can't do every single one because people would just get fed up basically, (laughs) seeing yet another picture of a cafe. So we ask the cafes to have a smiley person in the picture because we know that if you don't have a person or a cute animal, Facebook just don't show it pretty much. Then we'll spend money. I mean, you'll probably find this from a lot of people you talk to that how much organic stuff Facebook is sharing gets less and less every few months. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg isn't worth mega billions because he's a nice guy. So I've just noticed of late that a lot of stuff is not getting as much reach as it did, say, six months ago. And that will be the Facebook algorithm, the the fact that Facebook wants you to pay for getting your posts out. So we allow in our budgets for that. And Interesting because, I mean, December's always terrible from an organic perspective on Facebook, but we've actually, particularly with our clients, just in the last week noticed a real bounce in organic 
reach. Mm, so that some of that is seasonal and some of it is the algorithm, but the algorithm changes on a day-to-day no. basis. I know. You just can't keep up with it, can you? <laughs> and it will also be because the advertisers aren't spending. Yeah. So... But we do find those that have got a real community sense around Mm. their social media so they really understand who their Mm. audience are and they really connect with them in a meaningful way. They tend to write out most of those Mm. changes. And I imagine given what you do that you do have quite a groundswell of support. Yes, but again, I mean, I only need to look at my feed and Facebook doesn't show i mean i've got quite a lot of sites that i have on the priority settings in other words it's supposed to show me them first Mm. that doesn't even work anymore and facebook decides which friends it's going to show you as you probably observed you know why have i not seen anything from sue blogs for the last two months oh that's because facebook's decided it's not going to show it on my feed and it's very much um, chicken and egg because that is dictated by whether you've engaged with them or not. Mm. If you stop seeing their content, you stop engaging with them, they stop showing you the content and it, you know, starts yeah. kind of vicious cycle. Cycle. Yeah, exactly. So, so um, do you find um, out of Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, the three platforms that you're most active on, do you find one of those, do you use those differently and does one of those yeah. stand out? more for you in terms of results okay so if we want people to actually do something then facebook is the best because you can share it and of course instagram isn't set up to be shared very easily so the cafes though often like instagram because as you hear they show pretty pictures of their food and stuff so if you want to get the cafes to see that you're supporting them, then we definitely have to have them on Instagram. But the engagement's far, far less on Instagram, I would say. And But, yeah, obviously it's slightly different. Although looking at our analytics, there's been a great increase in the sort of 35 to 45 age group on Instagram in the last mm-hmm. 12 months, I'd say. Yeah. Twitter I use pretty much to reach journos and influencers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know in the UK, Twitter was really important and it's really popular. But New Zealand, I mean, when I look at the stats that come out every so often on what in New Zealand, what social media in New Zealand is on, the, our target audience would be 25 to 55 probably. Facebook's miles ahead, followed by <laughs> YouTube, but we haven't done a lot there because you've got to have video and we just haven't got the resources. But I am going to look at doing some YouTube ads, get my head around how we do it. Like time. I'm going to think I'm going to put this student onto that because she, <laughs> she's keen to do all this sort of stuff. Yeah, so Twitter, I do occasionally, but quite frankly, it's not particularly effective. So I'm not going to spend lots of time on it. Instagram, I look at the results and see what tracks and what doesn't. And sometimes it quite amazes me why suddenly something that you wouldn't have thought would do well did. And you're like, why did that? (laughs) And of course, you've got to look at your hashtags. And all of this is why there are, you know, digital marketing companies. (laughs) Because it's just so time consuming. So we tend to concentrate on Facebook, unfortunately. And do use Instagram would be number two. 
But if I'm actually wanting them to take action, then Facebook's where I'll spend the majority of my money if I'm going to be spending money mm. because, yeah, it's quite hard to get. You know, I've noticed recently with some non-for-profit Instagram things I saw come through, they've said, oh, go to our profile to click through because that's the only way you can do it. So we've just started doing that. You know, go to our profile to click through to find out where you can refill kind of thing <laughs> because there's no other way of doing it. And we haven't used TikTok and we haven't used Snapchat because I haven't got time. <laughs> yes, and they're a very particular beast, both of those that are. Yeah. Yeah. And we're just starting on LinkedIn, but I've got to be clear about in my own mind about who, what we're trying to get. So it's not something I'm going to use every other day. It's going to be, okay, if I want business people, you know, professionals to actually see this, then I'll use LinkedIn. But I haven't had a chance to look at LinkedIn ads or anything yet. It's probably um, useful too for your health and government mm. connection. Yeah. But yeah. yes, LinkedIn ads, certainly all the work we do in the not-for-profit sector, we haven't found LinkedIn ads to be Firstly, cost-effective. They're very expensive. Yes, that's what I've heard. Yeah, and the targeting's not nearly as specific as you can get on some of the other platforms. Yeah, and so that's exactly what I've read, which is why we haven't really done a lot with it. <laughs> it's great to see, though, that social media is obviously, you know, a really important part of your strategy and helping you to connect with the two main stakeholders being consumers that you want to take action and the cafes and, and other mm. entities that need. Oh, to and then we work. use groups as well. So we're on, I'm on Plastic Free New Zealand, on Zero Waste New Zealand, and then Tourism Industry Aotearoa have a very private group to do with for sustainable tourist businesses. We are on that mm -hmm. and that's pretty useful. So we've had quite good results from using that, but I don't want to spam it. So I'll only put things up once a week or something. So, but that's quite effective. And the tourism industry at Oro have been, they're great. We've just got such a good relationship with them. It's really mm -hmm. good. Fantastic. So that's great, Jill, to understand more about the organisation and how you've kind of come to where you are and what it is that you're doing. As we start to wrap up, what's your one piece of advice to other change makers or innovators or anyone that's got a great idea about, you know, inspiring others to action? What would you say to them? Well, nowadays with digital, it means you can set up your own website in WordPress or something very cheaply. I mean, it's basically your time. So nowadays, I mean, I've been around for years and you know, when I first started in marketing, there was no digital. So you only had, ad, you know, traditional advertising, print, radio, whatever. So it was quite expensive to get started, to get a message out. Now with digital, it means you can say, okay, I'm going to try something, you know, and if it doesn't work, well, okay, I might have spent six months or whatever of my time or less than that and a bit of money, but I haven't, you know, and I'm doing something else that earns me money as well, which is quite useful. So I think it's easier 
certainly I've seen that. You know, lots of young startups put up flash websites. <laughs> and, yeah, so it's a case of, okay, give it a go. And if it doesn't, I mean, you can do all the business planning and do the testing. I think if you're doing something that's going to cost you a lot of money in terms of you're producing a physical product, that's a bit different. But if you're on a campaign type thing, well, it's, you know, you're not having to produce products that are going to cost you a lot of money to do. So you can just try it on digital and see what happens. Hmm. And if it doesn't work, well, okay, it doesn't work. And that's the other thing I think now there is, as a result of, I guess, Silicon Valley, I suppose, there's more acceptance that you can fail. And I come from a sports background and I've done a lot of coaching. And I've always said that the best players are the ones who've learnt to lose. And <laughs> I think you learn from your mistakes much more than if you don't make mistakes, if you fall them out. There was somebody famous who said something along those lines. And it's really That's true. That's what we teach our kids too. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, if you don't try, then the answer is it's not going to happen. So you're going to fail if you don't try. So I go, just try it if it works. And, you know, I've tried to set up events in the past. So that's some of what I used to do. And, you know, I've had to basically go, oh, this event just isn't going to happen. I'm just going to refund the money because we're going to make a massive loss. <laughs> and it's like, okay, tried. Right, next. And I think, yeah, as you say, that's the beauty of social media is that you can in real time test your ideas and yes. get feedback from people and see whether it has traction. And, you know, I think now in Australia, unfortunately, given the crisis that we're in at the moment, so many ideas, the unfortunate part is that we're in the crisis, but out of the, you know, the embers and the ashes, so to speak, are emerging some brilliant ideas that have just taken off on social media with, you know, no need for the infrastructure behind that, that might've mm. happened traditionally. So it's a really good point when people are thinking about starting out that they, you know, can test that and try that in a, in a very low cost way and mm. just never know what momentum may build from that. I mean, I think it's helpful if you've got some other income coming in while you're doing this. <laughs> I think Otherwise most people there. start that way with their great ideas. It's <laughs> the, the, side, the passion project on the side. Yeah, exactly. So you can still pay the mortgage and feed yourself. It's quite useful. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Jill. It's been really great to hear about what you're doing with Refill NZ. And I've been particularly interested around the plastics issue. We've got some very interesting things unfolding here in Australia at the moment around that. I interviewed someone recently who was saying that Australian plastics manufacturing is going to be changing around consistency of the types of plastics that Good. are used and colours and those sorts of things to make reprocessing that plastic into other products more easy. Yeah, I think that's what our government's looking at too. It's got to happen. I mean, there's, what, seven different types of plastic and probably in Australia's same as New Zealand, you can probably yeah. recycle maybe two or three of them and the rest get chucked in landfill. Yeah. No, well, there's all sorts of amazing things emerging at the moment and certainly the world is crying out for innovative solutions in this space. And while we're talking about government, if you could just send your Prime Minister over to us for a little while, 
We would really appreciate that. <laughs> I follow Mr. Scomo, I believe is his nickname. One of the things he's been called lately. Oh, yes, but there is a saying that you get the leaders you deserve because you vote them in. So maybe this will be an awakening for Australia, but maybe next time you might get a slightly more open-minded government. Yeah, that's a podcast for another time. <laughs> it usually takes crisis for people to, to actually go, oh, maybe what we're doing isn't quite the right idea. Well, we're certainly in the middle of that at the moment. And if this doesn't change it, nothing will. So no. yes, it will be interesting to see what changes do arise out of this in the coming months and years. So thank you so much, Jill, for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great speaking with you. And thank you for doing this. I think it's great. Thank you for joining us on the Social Lights podcast produced by Social Mediology. You can connect with us on Facebook at Social Lights Podcast and you can find today's show notes and more episodes at socialmediology.com.au forward slash social lights. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast platform to receive future episodes and share with your tribe to inspire others to action.